is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. Excited about today's show. We are talking a little recruit with Mr. E.J. Holland, Rivals.com. We got an interview with Mr. Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer from the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe, just maybe, the greatest defensive back ever to play the game of football. We'll talk to him here on The Truth. We'll also get to our Sleeper of the Week. But before we do that... The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Let's bring in our recruiting nuggets for the day, Mr. EJ Holland, Rivals.com. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. Thank you for joining the truth. We are here in the Miracle Mile, but there's a lot going on outside of here. A lot of big-time commitments from nationally named recruits from across America. Um, Why don't you give us what you know so far? Yeah, I think uh, maybe the biggest commitment in the last week, which like you said, there's been a ton of them. I think with the accelerated timeline, you know, the summer, uh, as especially as we head closer to football season, a lot of these kids are trying to get their decisions out of the way. So I think you're just seeing a flood of commitments in the 2020 class. And you even had a couple in the 2021 class. So it was a very, very busy week of recruiting. The dead period was lifted for a little bit so it allowed guys to get on campus um, meet with coaches and all of that obviously now we're back into the dead period but that hasn't you know slowed things down at all I think perhaps the biggest commitment out of all of these guys was B. John Robinson uh, elite level running back from Arizona uh, South Point Catholic I think he is a very very special back he's a guy I've got to watch in multiple settings Across the offseason, I saw him in pads at practice, flew out to Arizona to see him there. I saw him in seven-on-seven with Tucson Turf, which took home the Pylon National Championship. Uh, I saw him in seven-on-seven in L.A. with the Adidas tournament. So I I got to see him quite a few times, and he's a very, very impressive specimen on film. He's a great power back, uh, tremendous speed for his size. He's the total package, and then when you watch him, in the seven-on-seven settings, it's really awesome to see because he runs routes like a receiver. So his teammate, Lathan Ransom, who's committed to Ohio State, uh, you know, four-star safety, he told he came over and told me during one of the tournaments, he was like, man, did you see Bijan run that route? He runs routes better than half of these D1 wide receivers I see. And so I think Bijan, you know, is a terrific player and obviously committed to the University of Texas. His recruitment was a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, a lot of people expected him to land at Ohio State. In fact, I spoke to a source in the weeks leading up to his commitment that said, you know, Texas is done. They're dead in the water. He's going to Ohio State. And, you know, the last week, UT was able to get it turned around. I think uh, Texas offensive coordinator Tim Beck deserves a lot of praise in that recruitment. And Texas finally landed an elite level running back, which is what they needed. They kind of uh, missed out last cycle on some of their top guys. And so landing Bijan Robinson 
is the first big win for their running backs coach, Stan Drayton. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about Bijan. He's a, a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal player, and he's going to be a really good system fit for Texas, you know, during their resurgence. Um, outside of him, I think uh, a big shocker uh, that went the other way for Texas, which was the perceived leader for four-star Duncanville safety, Chris Thompson. Uh, Chris made a commitment to Auburn, and that shocked, ev- shocked everybody. I mean, it broke our future cast picks on rivals. Um, you know, some of our competing sites also had him. Everybody had him going 100% to Texas, and he <laughs> went the other way. And picked Auburn. So, you know, it happens sometimes in recruiting. Chris did a really good job of keeping that, uh, you know, behind closed doors and under wraps. So it's rare that you see it nowadays in the digital media world that we live in. You know, you kind of get an idea of where guys are going. Nobody saw Chris going to Auburn. Uh, And in Chris Thompson, they're getting a terrific player. This is a guy that I identified three years ago during a stop at Duncanville. Uh, which is one of the premier programs in the Dallas area and competed for a state championship last year. He is a big, long, rangy safety. I've spoken to a couple of Power 5 coaches uh, in regards to Chris, and they love him as a box guy. I think he can you know, play uh, a rover-type linebacker in the right system, uh, really a hybrid type of guy that can cover in space well. Uh, I think his best attribute is just his physicality. This is a guy that really loves to lay the boom. Um, just a really, really violent striker. Um, so I think, you know, I think those coaches are right. I think he's going to be a big box safety and he's going to excel in the SEC. And ultimately, Chris saw, him as, Chris saw himself as a better fit in the SEC conference as opposed to the wide open Big 12 uh, the 2021 class gave us some really exciting commitments. Shadrach Banks from North Shore here in Texas. I thought, you know, he is arguably the best athlete in the country uh, committing to Texas A&M. Huge for Jimbo Fisher and his program. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, when hired, he was expected to bring in national championship caliber recruits. Obviously, he's one of only a handful of active coaches active head coaches with a national championship ring Shadrach Banks definitely one of the top players in the Lone Star State uh, he helped lead North Shore to a state championship victory over Chris Thompson and Duncanville last season uh, he plays wide receiver he's tremendous at it but I think when you look at his lower half this guy has tree trunk legs he's extremely strong I think his best fit might be on the defensive side of the ball. Either way, he's just a versatile athlete. I'm really interested to see uh, what that staff does with him because he's such a, a great athlete. And then, you know, there were some other commitments that were intriguing, you know, sticking in the Lone Star State. Robert Wooten committed to Missouri. He's a very high upside guy. Um, Aiden Finney out of California is a guy not a lot of people talk about, but uh, 6'7 offensive tackle committed to Arizona State. So a nice land for Herm Edwards and company, uh, John Humphreys committing to UCLA. You know, he's a very, very intriguing target. I, I got to see him in seven-on-seven seven action. Uh, big wide receiver, tight end type, a, a flex end guy. I think uh, is a good land for them. Um, so those were some of the guys that stood out to me uh, during this kind of wave of commitments.
Yeah, no question about it. Humphreys is he's long, probably one of the longest kids in the country in terms of length. He plays corner, he plays receiver. UCLA likes him as a corner. Love Thompson as a box safety. He's got kind of a combo body safety outside backer. Banks. Committing to Texas A&M, a big-time athlete on both sides of the ball. Reminds me a little bit of a Victor Cruz, just explosive play guy, catch and run down the football field, no question about it. And then Sal Point Catholic running back, five-star B. John Robinson. He'll remind people of Alvin Kamara for the New Orleans Saints. He's got dynamic ability, running routes, creating separation, catching the ball in the catch and run game. He also can run inside, outside the tackle. He's got the speed to outrun the third level. B. John Robinson, a big-time commitment for Texas. Is Banks to AM Thompson going to Auburn and then Finney committing to Arizona State. Big weekend for Herm Edwards there at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A lot of guys shouting out Coach Edwards and Finney makes the commitment to forks up, headed to the Valley of the Sun to be a Sun Devil, a 6'7 offensive tackle with a lot of upside. He's got a terrific frame. He's a developmental piece, but if the, he can get the right coaching in the offensive line with Coach Kevin Mawai, who we just inducted into the Hall of Fame, can get him going in the right direction, add some weight, improve those feet. I think they got a big time left tackle on their future. And then um, our last guy, who did we talk about last there, EJ? Uh, we also talked about Robert Wooten. Right. Sorry. Right, Robert Wooten going to North Carolina? To Mizzou. Excuse me, excuse me, Mizzou. Sorry, Robert Wooten going to Mizzou. Coach Odom doing a nice job recruiting kind of in-state or bordering states, doing a nice job. I'm a big fan of Coach Odom. I think he's a big-time coach. He was an awesome defensive coordinator. Now getting his chance to be a head coach. He's pulling in some guys. We talked to Dante Manning last week, and it sounds like Missouri is trending in the right direction for Manning's recruitment, so we'll see how that all plays out, EJ. Yeah, for sure. Really quick, uh, a couple of, of guys that I really wanted to note that just committed like in the last day, because um, I know we were kind of planning this show out, but just really recent commitments in the last 24 hours. Lawrence Arnold from DeSoto, Texas, committing to Kansas. Plus, Miles, Emmett Jones, and company are doing a terrific job on the recruiting trail. I think they're going to get it turned around at Kansas. They're getting some big lands. Lawrence Arnold is 6'4" wide receiver uh, from the Lone Star State. Really, really awesome player. I like him a ton. He kind of blew up here in the summer. And then Donovan Clark out of Tacoma, Washington, committing to Boise State. One of the more intriguing defensive backs in the class. I think there is a lack of quality defensive backs left. Uh, I think some P5 schools missed out on Donovan Clark. 6'3", 190, uh, can play corner, can play safety. I think he was a really big land for Boise State. Oh, that's some good stuff there. EJ, recruiting never sleeps. Neither do you. I know you're going to be on the move, checking out some 2021 prospects across the country, 2020 prospects. Who do you have on your radar to go check out live this season? Oh, man. <laughs> I've got a really, really, really busy schedule. I actually booked all my travel yesterday, so... It's going to be crazy uh, early on in this. You know, I don't want to talk on and on because I'm going to literally be on the road all 12 weeks to open up the regular season. Uh, some of the trips that I'm going to make uh, early on. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off uh, in August, uh, August 23rd and 24th. I will be out in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, checking out Notre Dame commits, Michael Mayer and Landon Bartleson. Uh, Michael Mayer is one of the top tight ends in the country. I know a lot of people talk about Darnell Washington 
and Arik Gilbert, and with good reason. They are athletic freaks that I've seen on multiple occasions as well. But Mayer might be the best or the most complete tight end in the country. He was the offensive MVP in the seven-on-seven portion of the opening finals. Like him a lot. Landon Bartleson committed to the Irish as a corner, played a lot of running back, really intriguing athlete. I'll be flying out to St. Louis as well. We'll see two more uh, Notre Dame commits in Gabriel Rubio, a really uh, you know high-level defensive lineman, uh, national top 100 guy in the 2021 class. I'll see uh, Kalen Johnson, 2021 stud, uncommitted uh, corner. Uh, I think he's a guy that you know, a lot of people as well. You, you talk about Tony Grimes. You talk about Jaquincy McKinstry, who I think are five-star level guys. I think Kalen Johnson is right up there as well. Um, just visited Oklahoma. They are in desperate need of defensive backs. I know Jaquelin's a top target for them in 2021. Uh, I know Notre Dame's on him heavy as well. Uh, you know, he has a, a plethora of other offers. I think recruiting is just getting started for him, but he's a legitimate five-star candidate at corner. Um, and I will also see a five-star player in Jordan Johnson, a uh, wide receiver committed to the Irish, so a lot of Irish flavor the first couple of weeks. Uh, Jordan Johnson, uh, I got to see him at the Rivals Challenge in St. Louis. Uh, really speedy long guy underrated physicality uh there's a reason he's one of the best wide receivers in the country and i think week three i will be in dallas seeing five-star running back kamar wheaton uh really impressive looking prospect uh, he didn't quite have the production of a five-star guy so i really want to see that this year but he is a kid that when you look at him man you can just see that he's a physical freak of nature very high on some regional programs like Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Texas. He visited all three uh, this past week. And, you know, he's high on some national programs. He made stops at Ohio State. Actually, Emmett Jones and Les Miles got him on campus at Kansas. Uh, Notre Dame, Michigan also hosted him during the Midwest swing. And then uh, I guess the last trip I'll talk about that's early on in the season will be to your neck of the woods, going out to SoCal. You know, check out those uh, big time matchups between the SoCal Powers against the Maryland team. So we'll see, uh, you know, St. John Bosco in action. Uh, DJ Ugulele, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the country, committed to Clemson, has the best arm I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the absolute rocket. Uh, Bo Collins is one of my favorite guys in 2021. I think he's a five-star wide receiver with, you know, offers from everybody. Uh, excited to see Modern Day. Bryce Young committed to USC. You know, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I think I prefer Bryce more than I prefer DJ. I, not, nothing wrong with DJ. Like I said, he has the best arm I've ever seen. But Bryce, uh, so explosive as a runner, pinpoint accuracy, Love his demeanor, love his swagger. I mean, USC, uh, whoever ends up being the head coach there, if it's Clay Elton or somebody else, is going to get an absolute stud in Bryce Young. I mean, he's one of the more impressive kids that I have ever met. Uh, really love him overall. And he's got a new toy in Christian Dixon, uh, Rivals 100 guy who uh, just transferred into modern day. I think he's going to be a difference maker. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He's actually a Notre Dame lean early on. So I, I think that there are, you know, just so many guys to talk about on those teams. You've got, you know, talent everywhere. Uh, and then obviously the Maryland teams coming in 
are bringing in a ton of talent as well. But, you know, I could go on and on about those matchups. I'm sure the week before we'll just spend an entire segment talking about the recruits on those teams. Yeah, no question about it. EJ Holland, Rivals.com, racking up the miles. Appreciate you for joining the truth, EJ. We'll talk to you real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now it's time to get to our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleeper of the week this week. And you know what? This kid might come from a place where not too many people know. But I tell you one thing, it's always full of athletes in the city. 2022 defensive end, Compton High School, my former home. Mr. Aubrey Scott, all of six foot five, 235 pounds. Head coach Calvin Bryant calls this guy the next big time recruit out of the city of Compton. Re- reaching all the way back to Mr. Dayton Jones and Mr. DeMar DeRozan, two professionals now. But he says Aubrey Scott is the next guy. Again, Six foot five, 235 pounds, defensive end out of Compton High School, class of 2022. So he's coming up on his sophomore season, Mr. Aubrey Scott. Congratulations, Aubrey. Your transparent truth, sleeper of the week. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring in uh, a dear friend of mine. He's on the truth for the first time. My, my man, 50 grand, Hall of Famer, Mr. Rod Woodson. Rod, how you doing today? Man, I, I'm good, Keith. Um, I appreciate you having me on. No doubt, man. I appreciate you joining the, the truth, man. First time, but not the last time. Nevertheless, uh, glad to have you. A lot to get to. Um, first off, I want to say, you know, it was it was great to see you at the Hall of Fame on TV, and, and you like you just had a great time with all those guys. And we'll get into that, but um, I'm sure that's a you know terrific experience everybody wants to hear about. But let's start at the beginning with you, Rod. You had a storied career on and off the football field. Let's get to how it all began. Take me through where you're from and what it was like growing up and kind of playing sports where you come from. Well, I grew up in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, you know, back born in the mid-60s, uh, so 60s and 70s, um, to a biracial family in Indiana, which, you know, wasn't the best thing, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was the youngest of three boys. Uh, my dad worked uh, two jobs to keep everything moving. My mom worked odd and in jobs throughout uh, my young my young life. Uh, but, the only, I mean, the reason I started playing ball um, is because of my older brothers. You know, they played football, so I was like, I want to be around them. Uh, you know, at first they swam first. So I, I went swimming with them all the time. They joined the swim team. They were on the swim team. Then I went to join the swim team, which I did. Then they went to football. Then I wanted to go to football. So I was just kind of following in their footsteps over the course of, uh, 
you know, my young career. Then when, when, when I turned 12, uh, I quit the swim team and I started running uh, AAU track mm. in, uh, in the local area. Started running that, got a little bit better, got a little faster. And then went down, went to nationals over in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, a couple times when I was in my early teens, right before high school. And um, you know, still love the sport. Um, I had a young coach when I was uh, Pop Warner. I played for the uh, Police Athletic League, pal, uh, for the uh, for the Raiders. Uh, my coach uh, Dave Rohde was a great inspiration to me. Kind of, he you know, he made it fun. He was one of those coaches that made it fun. He didn't he didn't take it too serious. Even sure. though he was competitive, but he didn't take it serious to where a point where these nine-year-old, eight-year-olds, and ten-year-olds were going to, you know, make his life. Um, so you know, he made it fun for me, and I enjoyed it. So I just kept playing, and um, you know, the, the main reason I started though was because of my brothers. If I didn't, if I had two older sisters, man, I don't know where I'd be at. <laughs> no, hey, listen, that's a good point. You talk a little bit about. Um, running track and I know you have a track background not just the one you mentioned but you ran I think deep into college talk a little bit about how you feel track helped you kind of as a as a youngster back in those days and you know subsequently helped you through high school college and, and on to the NFL well, I mean, I, you know, I just ran because uh, you know I was I think I was ten years old and I used to race my oldest brother every year from telephone pole to telephone pole yeah and then when i hit 10 and he was so he was 14 at the time 15 at the time we ran telephone telephone pole he got me out to start i caught him at the end of the telephone pole beating for the first time and i was like oh i know i'm fast now so that's when i started like thinking about track sure but what i love about track is that you know most all team sports are subjective sports you know, the coach either thinks you're good, he thinks you fit better than, you know, Johnny or, 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 or Earl. And, but in track, they can't tell you you're slow. They can't tell you you're fast. The clock tells you how good you are or if you're a field event person, how good you are. You know, that's what I love about it because it's not subjective. Uh, either, you, either you are good and you are fast or you don't get the, you know, you don't get the trophies, you don't get the accolades. Um, that's one of the main reasons I like, love about it and I mean, and what it did for me is that, you know, that old saying, you can't teach size and you can't teach speed. Uh, so being fast and having that speed on the football field just helped me. You know, when I got a pick, if I had to run somebody down, I played running back receiver in high school and, or, you know, in little league and, and high school. I also playing safety. So, you know, running people down or running away from somebody after I got the ball, you know, running track helped me, you know, learning that turnover, learning how to run, getting that burst. Uh, that quick start, all those things helped me. And then it helped me from high school to college, college to the pros. And, you know, it's just that, that same old saying, it's, it's, it's never going to get old for me because every time I see a fast guy uh, in, in football, uh, it's hard to tackle somebody like that or it's easier for him to run people down. Yeah, no question about it. You talked a little bit about a, a youth coach who made it fun for you. And now's day in today's day and age with youth sports, there's a lot of – um, win at all cost. Let me build a super team to play nationally. Um, daddy ball, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of different shenanigans going on at the youth level. Talk a little bit about why it's important, Rod, to make the game fun instead of everything's about winning and losing. Well, it's a game. 
<laughs> you just said it the best. I mean, you said make the game. Uh, you know, it's like you know, what's Monopoly? It's a game. You know, you know what's you know, you play cards with your boy. You play spades with your boys. What, what is it? It's a game. You know, you play dice with your boys. It's a game. Um, you know, it's just it's a game. And now, one thing it can do though, it can teach you a lot of good things in your life. So it can teach you commitment. It can teach you integrity. It can teach you responsibility. It can teach you respect. You know, it can teach you excellence. It can teach you all those things. It can teach you courage because you're going to fail. And can you keep getting back up and try to make yourself better at whatever sport you're doing? Um, so it's just one of those things. And, you know, uh, for me, you know, I think, it's, I think it's important that kids enjoy what they're doing. You know, the more you enjoy it, the better you're going to be at it. The more you're going to blossom at it. The more you want to be there. And the more, you know, especially athletically, the more you want to train to be good at that at that sport. So, um, you know, I, I always tell, when I talk to uh, young coaches, I always tell them and I encourage them to make the game fun, uh, to, to make the kids understand the foundation of the game each for each position. Uh, but at the end result, you know, there's going to be a great way to win and there's going to be a, a good way to lose. You don't want to become a loser, so to speak, and you, you're dissatisfied always, you know, not winning a game. Um, but I, I think the coaches can always make sure that's a part of their their daily curriculum, like how they're going to teach them to use that in their life that day or that week or that year. Yeah, no question about it. So you grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm not sure if the listeners know, but Fort Wayne at one point in time was the murder capital of the United States. What was it like growing up in Fort Wayne? I mean, the, you know, the Fort, man, it, it was what it was, you know, um, I mean, we didn't, I didn't think anything of it. Um, uh, you know, you know, we, my dad worked at International Harvester, which was a big industry there, uh, the big manufacturer there. Uh, they closed shop uh, when I got to high school, uh, but he also worked uh, cleaning uh, all the local theaters in, because he had a janitorial business. So, um, you know, we would go, we would go with my dad to clean all the theaters, so the embassy, uh, Jefferson, all those different places. We would go, uh, we would go uh, clean the theaters with my dad late at night. And so I learned from him, you know, how to work. So that was the main thing. You know, other than that, you know, we never really talked about all the issues in Fort Wayne. Uh, you know, we, you know, sometimes you kind of live in a bubble. Uh, when you live in a bubble, sometimes that's okay. Uh, you know, you don't think about it, especially when you're a kid. You're not thinking about, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure my mom and dad, talk about all the social issues that were going on in the area, but they never involved us with it. They didn't want us to grow up too fast. So, you know, uh, growing up there, uh, you know, he made me tougher for the fact that, you know, he made me work. He never let me quit anything that I start. Um, I, I saw the pain that he would be in sometimes coming home on the second trick, um, you know, fingers all dirty, clothes all dirty, he's tired, but now he got to go to his other job to support us. So I saw that, you know, and then I started playing sports. I'm like, well, shoot, me running around on the field or on a court or on a track, that's not work. I mean, what my dad does every day to bring money home for us so we can live and our life can stay on and we can get a bottle of ketchup, um, you know, that's hard work. So, you know, I learned at, at, at a young age to keep everything in perspective. No doubt about that. Let's move along. Out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, you end up committing and signing to the University of Purdue. Tell me about your experience at at Purdue and why you chose Purdue. Well, I mean, you know, I wanted to, you know, when I was a junior, I wasn't even on Dimension Hall State. 
in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But my and now in track and field, I was all American. Then my senior year, it just clicked. Everything clicked. Everything clicked for me. The senior year, I, I was all American, AP all American, parade all American. I get all these offers. Um, then I started looking at the offers, and I'm like, okay, I want to play close to home, but not too close to home. So I knew I wanted to play in the Big Ten, um, but I, I didn't want to be one of those <clears throat> players that go to a big school, uh, they're already winning, <clears throat> and I become a number. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're already they're high, they're getting blue chippers weekend or year in and year out. I don't want to become just a statistic for uh, another big program. You know, Purdue was a good blend for me because Ray Sherman was my uh, – he's the guy that recruited me out of that area. Sure. Uh, Leon Burnett was the head coach at the time. Um, it, it just fit. You know, Leon was like, hey, listen, you sign with us, you're going to play as a freshman. And that's really the only school that I, I went to and visited that said that. Um, so, you know, I, I just wanted to – I wanted to go somewhere where I could play when I was a freshman – and I can set my own journey. I can set my own path. Um, so I chose Purdue. It was an outstanding place. Uh, we weren't outstanding in football, um, but I learned a lot of life lessons uh, through the ups and downs in my four years at Purdue. I had a really good track coach in my pay line, um, and I got a good education at Purdue University. Hometown boy doing hometown hero things. Fort Wayne to Purdue. Sounds like a good – sounds like a good uh, – Sounds like a good trek, a good, nice little trek for Mr. Rod Watson. So let's move along. What year did you come out in the draft? What number were you picked? And what was it like when you first walked into the building? Well, I, I came out in 1987. I was a 10th player taken uh, in the draft. Um, you know, everybody thought I was going to go a little bit higher. Um, they thought I was going to go in the top five, but, you know, sometimes. You know, you know, coach or teams are looking at certain positions. They didn't need a corner uh, or safety, so they went toward a quarterback and running backs or linebackers. But the great thing is, I went to the right place for me. Um, you know, um, Pittsburgh uh, drafted me with the tenth overall pick in '87. I went there. Um, I remember flying <clears throat> the next day <clears throat> to Pittsburgh with uh, with my guy Eugene Parker, mm-hmm. who was my agent at the time. Um, we flew into Pittsburgh International Airport. We drove through uh, Fort Pitt Bridge, the tunnel right there, yes. and came out, and the city was just lit up at nighttime. And I was like, man, this is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be an old steel mill city, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dirty, but it really wasn't. I fell in love with the city. Um, and really it was fate for me because my high school team, the Snyder Panthers, were black and gold. And we looked, our, our uniforms are just like the Steelers. Wow. My Purdue team was black and gold, and then I get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers who are black and gold. And then on top of that, Keith, believe it or not, my hometown has three rivers, and Pittsburgh has three rivers. Three River Stadium. So I mean, it was it was to me it was like fate, you know. Um, I was like I went to a great organization. The Rooney family is a great uh, uh, family. Uh, they take care of their their people. They're good in the community, and they they they, they taught me a lot of life lessons, you know. And I got here, and uh, Chuck Noll was still here, and uh, Mean Joe Green was the defensive line coach, and Donnie Shell was still playing. John Stallworth was in his last year at receiver. Mike Webster was in his last two years at being the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow! So I got to play with some of those older icons, 
And, you know, I got to play under Chuck, who's an icon. Um, you know, the chief, uh, Art Rooney Sr., who purchased the team originally, he was still alive. He passed away like three years after I got here. And then Dan took over. So I got to meet, you know, the three generations of the Rooney family. I knew, you know, Mr. Rooney, the senior, Art Rooney Sr. Mm-hmm. Dan was a son. And then Art Jr. is Dan's son. So, you know, I know all those guys. Uh, got to meet them all. Uh, you know, I was just, you know, I was just there uh, this past week for a family fun fest. Uh, and anytime I can get back and enjoy being in the black and gold, I do. Wow, Rod, you had a dream career. I'm just talking from Fort Wayne all the way up to the Steelers. You ended up finishing your career as a Baltimore Raven. What was that like transitioning from, I guess, one rival team to the other rival team? Yeah, you know, um, it was kind of it was tough to leave Pittsburgh. I really didn't want to leave. Um, things kind of went uh, sideways at the end of 1997. Uh, 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 or excuse me, 96, um, going into the 97 season. And, you know, I just chose to leave. Uh, you know, I firstly, I first went and I left and went to San Francisco for a year trying to chase a ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost the NFC Championship game to the Green Bay Packers that year. And then Marvin Lewis called me to go to Baltimore. And I'm like, Baltimore, man, these guys are terrible. Man, I don't know if I want to go to Baltimore. <laughs> uh, but he was like, you know, but I got a lot of young talent. We just need to they need to learn how to win and they yeah. need to learn how to do things the right way. Right. So, uh, I told Mark, cause Mark, my guy, I was like, okay, if you're my guy, you trust him. You believe that these guys are good. I'm, I'll come in. So I came in, signed with them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, two years before that, they signed Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. Right. Uh, they had Peter Bowyer, Jamie Sharper. That year I got there, we drafted Dwayne Starks from the U yes. as a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that first year, Ted Marchabrota was still the coach. That's an old school coach. So he yeah. was, he was, he was, he was still doing some old school tricks with this in practice and whatnot. Uh, he leaves and Brian Billick comes in. You know, the guys keep growing. They keep listening. Uh, they keep doing the right things. Ray keeps growing in his progression of being the, one of the best, you know, if not the best middle linebacker to ever play in the National Football League. Um, and then that third year clicked in, and then everybody bought into everything we were doing. You know, meeting on our own, meeting after, coming in early. Right. Um, you know, going out together, having a close bond outside of football. Because anytime you're close outside of whatever you know, whatever job you're at, uh, you normally you have more fun in your job. Right. Uh, so you know, we 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 spent a lot of time together uh, on those Wednesdays and Thursday nights. Uh, at either Ray House or going to the movie theaters or going bowling. And as we grew with our kinship and friendship, um, you know, our, 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 our record on the field became better. We went from 10 and or six and 10 the first year to eight and eight the second year to winning the Super Bowl the third year. You know, you had been to a Super Bowl with the Steelers. Lost to the Dallas Cowboys. My Dallas Cowboys, by the way. Sorry, Rod. <laughs> Lost to my Dallas well, I, Cowboys. I, I, I blame our quarterback anyway, so it's all right. Okay. But <laughs> you get back to the Super Bowl with the Ravens, and arguably the best defense of all time. You guys dominate, absolutely dominate. Who was it? Kerry Collins? Yeah. The, uh, the yeah, Carolina? The Giants, Kerry Collins. Yeah. yeah. And you guys dominate them. What, 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 what type of feeling was that? to be a part of such a great defense 
but not only be a part of a great defense, to dominate on the biggest stage that there is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when they talk about great defense, they really don't put our name in there that often um, because we did it just for that one year. I mean, we, um, you know, they look at, you know, the Orange Crush, the Purple People Eaters, sure. the Munchers of the Midway, you know. Uh, Bears 85. Yeah, so in 85, the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But in 86 is a year their defense broke all the record. Right. Um, so, you know, you know, we, we shattered their scoring record for a 16-game season for defensive score uh, points allowed. Uh, I think we beat it by like 20-some-odd points. Right. Nobody's ever going to beat that. I mean, we only averaged, we only gave up like nine points a game, Right. you know, through 16 games. I mean, and one thing I love about it is that I seen the growth when I got there. So the first year we were kind of struggling. People, guys didn't know where we were going. You know, people were making mental mistakes. Marvin was, you know, he wasn't the play caller he became. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second year is a little bit tighter, a little bit better. The games were closer. And that third year, Marvin kind of clicked in as, you know, I thought he was, I thought he called a great, I thought he had a genius year mm-hmm. as a play, defensive play caller that year. And then we took turns making plays out there. You know, Ray will make plays certain games. I will make plays certain games. You know, right. Sam Adams and Tony Garcia, and Rob, Rob Barnett and Jamie are, uh, you know, Peter Bowyer, those guys will make plays. Uh, Dwayne Starks, even as a rookie, will make plays. And then that same year, that we won the Super Bowl, you know, we we got in. I moved to safety that year, and we drafted uh, Chris McAllister with the first uh, our first round pick. Right. Another corner. So we had two young corners. Then we had two seasoned vets at safety. It was me and Chris Harris and Kim Herring. Um, and, you know, so it all kind of clicked, man. And this it was just one of those things that, you know, I know they don't put us in there because we didn't do it for a long period of time like the other teams did. But for that one year. We were the best defense in the National Football League, and I would argue we were the best defense the National Football League ever seen. Yeah, it's tough to argue. Tough to argue against that Baltimore Ravens defense. Rod, your career in the NFL spanned, I believe, 17 years. You have some of the most gaudy stats of any defensive back at all time. In fact, I'm willing to put your stat line versus any defensive back that's ever played the game. Here's my question, and I think this is what people want to know from Rod Woodson. You played in the league for 17 years. You played on maybe the greatest defense of all time. You've been to two Super Bowls. You won one ring. Who was your toughest matchup that you've ever faced in the NFL? That's that's a great question because I played against Jerry. I played against... Sterling. I played against you know all the you know Michael Irving. I played against all those guys, um, but it was one guy because when I got to remember when I when I played little league pop Warner ball, when I played high school ball, when I played at Purdue, I was a safety. They moved me to corner after I ran my forty. You know, I ran a four three. They're like, okay, you're going to be a corner, right? And I had to learn. I had to teach myself how to play corner. And on a, you know when we first came in, um, it was only the three divisions. We were the central, so we were the AFC Central. Right. It was us, Cleveland Browns, where Bernie Kosar and all those guys, and then Cincinnati Bengals with Boomer and Eddie Brown and all those guys and Anthony Munoz, and then the Houston Oilers is run and shoot. 
Right. Boy, they were they was tearing us up because we were we were still trying to learn how to play. Yeah. And it was one guy, Webster Slaughter, that played for the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, Webster Slaughter. Webster was a, a five ten inch, five eleven, yeah. quick. Didn't have the great long speed because mm-hmm. um, you know he wasn't going to outrun me. But he would. I mean, he would get in and out of his breaks so quick. And on top of that, he had a mouth. Mm. <laughs> he he let you know about it. He chirping yeah. the whole game. Right. So we got me and him got kicked out of one game because we got the fight. Okay. And then I we got I got at least for me I got a FedEx package on Wednesday after the fight, and I was like it was like a five thousand dollar fine. I was like okay I'm never throwing another punch <laughs> the rest of my career. But he was that guy year in year out yeah. that gave me issues because it wasn't big receivers and mm-hmm. it, it would be easy for me to say Jerry, but I only played against Jerry twice. Okay. You know, I played against some other Hall of Famers, but in those guys, but I only played against those guys twice. So, so Webster was one of those guys, and the next guy was Andre Reed, because mm. Andre Reed played in the slot, yep. and I played the nickel, and Andre was just as big as I was. So, you know, I was a big corner, so six one, two hundred five pounds is a big corner, but he was six one. 200 about 200 pounds as a receiver so you know when i used to get my hands on the small guys i can control them sure well heck he would knock my hands down like it was nothing and still get across the middle and and work the middle of the field on a consistent basis yeah um so those two guys uh you know one reason that you know for webster because he was quick mm-hmm. in and out of his break but for andre he was big and strong just like i was right and you know when I did get my hands on him, I couldn't control him like I control a smaller receiver. No, Andre Reed, a Hall of Famer, uh, special, special receiver for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they went to what, four straight? Four straight Super Bowls? For a four reason. Straight, and they beat us every single year going to those four straight Super Bowls. Well, there you go. <laughs> that 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 K gun that they had rocking over there in Buffalo, and they, they used to light the scoreboard up, no question about it. James Lofton, another yeah. Hall of Famer. A part of that team, and Jim Kelly, a Hall of Famer, part of that team, and Thurman Thomas, a Hall of Famer, yeah. a part of that team. I mean, they were pretty decent, right? They were pretty decent. They, so they were pretty decent. I mean, Bruce Smith, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the no sack question. leader, nope. the NFL no sack leader of, yeah. of all time. Cornelius Bennett, they had a lot you know, Biscuit, of special players. Biscuit, Biscuit was there. Yep. You know, Daryl Talley. Yes. You know, they had some players there, and you know, they, they went to they went to four straight Super Bowls for a reason. They didn't have, I mean. Having those type of players, uh, they should have won a lot of games. Yeah, no question about it, Rod. We're going to wrap this baby up. Before we do, we want to play a little game with you, Rod. This game is called a one-word association game. So I'm going to bring up a name, a place, a topic. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Sound good? All right, here we go. Let's get started. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Home. Youth sports. Important. High school football. Great game. I know that's two words, though. That's okay. Purdue University. Awesome. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't use one word for them, man. Uh, Best franchise in the world. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens. My, they're they're just like the Steelers too, man. Uh, 
My one, squad. One word association, right? One, one word association. My okay. squad. Squad. Okay, just go with squad. That sounds good. Um, let's go with the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy. Oh, man, it's – I'm using the same as Purdue. Awesome. Awesome. Being a part of the Hall of Fame fraternity – so surreal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about the Pro Football Hall of Fame World Bowl? Exciting. No question about it. Well, that's our one-word association game. Hall of Famer. I, I got one. I got one. You got to give me one more. Keith Keith Miller. Keith Miller. Awesome, awesome individual. Man, I appreciate that, big dog. Without, hey, without you, man, without you, our World Bowl, our academy, everything we do, uh, would be for not. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. So uh, you just never. I'll never let you forget that uh, you're uh, you're a valuable piece to what we do, man. And I appreciate you, brother. Man, I appreciate you, Rod. And you've been nothing but gracious and full of class ever since the first time we met. And um, I look forward to spending many more, you know, uh, much more time together and building what we're building. So uh, I appreciate you for coming on the show. I'm sure the fans appreciate everything, all the knowledge you've dropped and all the experiences and so on and so forth. Please come back and visit us on the truth and, um, you know, just make sure you well, keep when doing you, when you get When you get big and then, you know, you, you nationwide and don't forget me. Nah, man, come on now. You're my guy. I would never forget, forget my me. guy. There's okay. no doubt about okay. it, man. I'll all definitely right. bring you back, and, but I appreciate you for being on. Please enjoy your family. I know you just got back to Vegas. Enjoy them, and congratulations again on all your success. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't name a better person that deserved all the success because you're a fantastic individual. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, Keith. Man, no doubt, ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer and probably the best defensive back cumulatively of all time could play outside, could play inside, could play free, and could fit in the box when necessary. Put his stats up against anyone, Mr. Rod Woodson here on the Truth. All right, we appreciate Mr. Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer. We can't call him Mr. Rod Woodson. Call him Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. We appreciate him for coming on The Truth, dropping all that good knowledge and our good info. Rod is a great guy, and uh, I appreciate him for jumping on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for today's Truth. We appreciate you for joining us and following along. Please tap into Friday's show. We have... Big-time Hall of Fame World Bowl quarterback and LSU commit, Mr. T.J. Finley from Ponchatoula, Louisiana. All six foot six, 240 pounds, and a baby Jamarcus Russell. Be looking out for him on Friday here on The Truth. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>